Hello and welcome back to Future Prairie Radio, where marginalized artists explore the future through the lens of the arts, humanities, and culture. I'm your host, Joni Whitworth, and this is Season 3, Episode 13, No Spectators Allowed, with Kanani Coster. Because the story is so important to me, I'm just trying to be really critical about normalizing things without, um, without tokenizing people. So hopefully, moving forward, uh, people will be more ready to have hard discussions that will make people cringe a little bit and be uncomfortable, specifically old white people. Kanani Coster is an award-winning filmmaker based in Portland, Oregon. Her visual style and storytelling are focused on reclaiming nostalgic tropes and aesthetics for diverse audience members who have historically been left off screen. She recently won a grant from RAC, the Regional Arts and Culture Council in Portland, Oregon, to support her filmmaking. One of her projects is a 15-minute narrative film called No Spectators Allowed. It's a critique and a call to action for the missing and murdered Indigenous women in North America. The film focuses on Nick, a white male podcast host, as he sits down with Charlotte, a Native American woman, in her home to learn more about the disappearance of her murdered sister, Emma, seven years ago. Although both characters are focused on the night in question, it soon becomes clear that each party has different intentions driving the story. Nick's focus on the killer and the graphic details of the murder clashes with Charlotte's focus on Emma and her life and the decisions that led to that fateful night. The film is a larger critique of our culture's obsession with true crime, specifically our fixation on serial killers rather than victims. Today she's going to be telling us about her other projects, her filmmaking style, and the intentions behind her work. Here's Kanani. Hi, I'm Kanani Koster. I'm a Hoppe director, filmmaker, AD and producer here in Portland. My pronouns are she, her. I have been living in Portland for the last year and a half, and it's really kind of been the big thing that's moved my career forward. I was living in Seattle beforehand and felt really stunted by the the scene that we had up there and didn't really feel as connected to the community. And I just remember the wild chance that we, me and my partner, decided to move down to Portland. Just the second we landed, I started getting all these jobs and I just started meeting the coolest people here who were just so supportive and excited to work on my projects and excited to have me on theirs. And that's just meant a lot to me. Uh, I am Hapa and Hapa is pigeon or Hawaiian for half. So I'm Japanese, Hawaiian and white. And that is a big part of the work that I make in a lot of different ways. I find it really important to bring a lot of BIPOC people onto my projects and working with women identifying people just because the set is so different when you have a really nice mix of everyone coming together. And I guess that's just like my background of like my racial and ethnic background is exactly that. It's this really weird mix of cultures, you know, it's that Islander vibe of having all these Asian identities and also Hawaiian and all the Islanders coming together and also learning to acclimate to larger, whiter systems. That's a little bit about how I try to build my sets and how that relates directly to 
my ethnic identity. When I was younger in middle and high school, I took a lot of film production kind of classes. And I remember I really enjoyed the classes at first, but eventually got really frustrated like a lot of girls do in those types of classes because a lot of the, the dudes would just do all my work for me. They were like, oh, I'm going to really help you out here. or You can just be in front of the camera. And honestly, I absolutely hate being in front of a lens. So I remember just getting really fed up and tired of it and not really pursuing it because it just didn't seem like a, a real career, ironically. <laughs> So I went to college and then I started looking at education and becoming a teacher. And that was not very fun either for me. Uh, so as soon as I got out of college, I started a small nonprofit with my partner, Travis, called Cherry Street Films. And it kind of was merging those two things together, which was education and filmmaking. And we started teaching filmmaking across Seattle at different locations so it would be more accessible because social justice was also a big part of my graduate degree that I got. And that was fun for a while. And I really appreciated the work I did. But deep down, it just really bugged me because I, I love film so much. And it just means so much to me. And I, I was teaching it, but it, I wasn't producing any of my own content. And I was supporting all these young people. And it was so exciting to see them all get so inspired by the work that they could produce. Uh, it just made me also want to do that. And so I started doing that in Seattle. I started meeting more people who would collaborate with me. And I started learning more about filmmaking on my own and working on sets in different positions. It was still pretty hard, though. It's just there weren't that many projects to get involved in. So it was a lot of my own projects that I was leading up there until, yeah, eventually I just started directing. And then... I would work on the side as an AD on a few friends sets and support other people in smaller producer roles. And that's where I made my first big short film, as I kind of call it, The New Frontier, which is a, a Western all about BIPOC people and kind of reclaiming that history. I think I've always loved period pieces, especially old Westerns, but I hate watching them because John Wayne and all these white cowboys are just very unappealing to me, but I love the imagery. I love the aesthetic of it. I love the idea of what the old West was because it was really actually such a diverse time. You know, we had so many people of color who were building our nation up. I mean, the entire expansion of the West is because we had Chinese Americans, uh, Chinese migrant workers building outward. And we also, my other piece that I wish I was able to include in the film is just during the, the Old West up until 1865, that's also when we got Hawaii as a state into our country. And that also is a big piece of the Western expansion of the United States. So there's just so much of that history that isn't told in these old Westerns that I really wanted to touch upon. And so that was my first big short and it was really cool and very fun. It wasn't perfect by any means, and I still cringe watching it. That was the big piece that kind of got me started on this. Right now I'm working on two projects. One is currently in production and the next one is in pre-production. 
what's currently in production is funded through the Oregon Film Grant and Travel Oregon Extreme Adventure Grant, which is all about diverse women motorcycle riders in Oregon called Any Oregon Sunday. And I'm working with Tiffany and Janie and Jasmine Carsey, and we're just, I'm so excited. Uh, That's what my whole week has been, has been out shooting. Yeah, it's just been really cool to highlight all these women. And something we're really trying hard to do is, of course, in the pre-production and getting grants and sponsorships, we've been using the keyword diverse women. But what we're hoping to do once we get it into distribution and it's past posts, of course, is the idea of kind of taking those words out of the plot line and log line and synopsis because we really just want it to, to normalize that women ride. So we just want to call it a motorcycle documentary rather than kind of feeling stuck in this box, this weird diversity box. So we're hoping to submit it to festivals and have just a wider audience come to this film and be like, oh shit, there's only women who are in this film and that's cool. And that's not, that shouldn't feel like that needs the label to it. And I think that's something that leads a lot of my work. It's something I'm just trying to be really critical about normalizing things without tokenizing people. And that's something that's really been important when we're interviewing people. I'm like, you don't have to label yourself in any one specific way. You don't feel like you have to describe how different it is to ride a motorcycle while being a woman because it's not, it's not different at all. It's just, you have your own cool story and we just want to focus on you being a badass. So the project I'm working on afterwards, uh, that's currently in pre-production that we're hoping to shoot in September, October, is called No Spectators Loud, which is a short film. And that one is uh, a thriller about missing Indigenous women. And it's being really critical of just this true crime love that so many people have, including myself, and how we look at women, especially... BIPOC women as disposable, as bodies, as kind of like this sexy, gratuitous thing that kind of spices up the story. But when you don't ever think about these women who are murdered by serial killers as people and how problematic that is. So that storyline is really a tug of war between like this true crime podcast host and this indigenous woman sister as they kind of have this like tug of war on air over what this narrative is going to be. Is this focused on the serial killer or is this focused on the murdered victim or this victim's life and her story and how we need to solve the crime for her? We've been slowly gearing up on pre-production while we are in the midst of production for the motorcycle documentary. Me and Jasmine have started storyboarding on that. Uh, Chelsea Unsby has signed on as a producer and she's working to get us some additional funds for that. And we're just tightening up the script. We're working towards partnering with a few other indigenous orgs. And I've got some friends from the New Frontier that I'd like to show them the script to once I feel like it's a little closer to what it's going to be in its final form and have them give some feedback and critiques. On the New Frontier, I was really lucky and I was able to have some consultants from the Yakima tribe because we were shooting on that on the Wapato reservation and it was just really important for that story to be told in a very specific way that felt really authentic and so we're trying to do the same thing on No Spectators Allowed depending on who our lead actress is when we cast her we'd like to collaborate with her on tweaking the script so it feels more authentic and also 
filming at least part of it on the reservation. And also in the long term, thinking about how we're going to be holding some sort of screening and feedback discussion kind of thing. A big part of my intention is just reclaiming these stories, these genres. And for No Spectators Allowed, it's reclaiming that Fincher murder kind of thriller, but in a really smart way that's tackling these larger problems of being gratuitous, of being sexist, or just really taking advantage of these really horrific stories and pointing out the issues and problems that we constantly see in films. I think a big part of the process I have is one in which we show the script before we even shoot anything to whoever is our consultant on board and also the actresses and actors who are involved and kind of feeling out what's happening. It's every single step of the process, you know, like if it's that bad by post, then I've really messed up. But it's little little alignments that I see happening in post-production that I've done in the past where I'm like, you know what, you're right. The way we cut there didn't feel right so maybe we should have cut sooner or maybe that was too gratuitous and that and that didn't lend itself to the story in the right way so we should just cut that piece out because that's not helping it's just being gross at that point you know because there's such a fine line because i really do love violent and gory things (laughs) so it's it's always been a a fine line that i play where i'm like i want to point out this problem but i also want to have fun and have violence and gore in here but for this story in particular does that work how are we going to frame it so it isn't problematic or something we've already seen a million times you know and when i approach these stories like the new frontier which was a western i sat down with my writing team and i was like okay well when we're writing this what cliches are we really actively trying to avoid? And it was like, we don't want any white saviors. We don't want any black or brown bodies being murdered or killed. And we don't want anyone raped, of course. So it was just one of those things, but I was like, but it's a Western, so we have to have some gore. So I was like, guess we're just killing the white people and that's gonna be really fun and a very good point to make though, because in most Westerns we see, we're seeing mostly black and brown bodies being killed. Future Perry is sponsored by the Oregon Community Foundation, dedicated to improving the lives of all Oregonians through the power of philanthropy. We thank them for their financial support and leadership as we co-create the future of a healthy, thriving, sustainable organ. I would definitely say a lot of the work that I create is with this assumption and with this hope that we're ready to have these bigger dialogues and discussions. I remember when I made The New Frontier, I kind of, I just focused on what I wanted to tell and what my friends wanted to tell. Each chapter was told by a different BIPOC person, uh, creative or writer, and they helped write a short poem over each of those chapters. And I really just said, take it wherever you want to go and we're going to build a narrative around that. And I just didn't really think about how it would be taken. And I remember once we edited it together and started showing it to people, how uncomfortable certain audiences were with it. And I think it's a mix. I think when I, I do think about the future, but it's mostly very hopeful that 
we're ready to have these discussions. And especially looking at right now, as we're looking at the systemic racism within our country and how that aligns so closely with the work that I'm producing in terms of calling that out. I think it works well. I think it's timely, or at least I hope it is. And I hope that for the future, my work aligns in a way that we can have these uncomfortable discussions and no spectators. Uh, we're hoping to start shooting at the end of September, which is kind of a crazy timeline, but I am hopeful. Chelsea is a powerhouse producer and knocks through things. And Jasmine Carsey, our DP, is also a badass who's just like ready to work and is already working on the storyboard with me, even though we're currently in the midst of this insane motorcycle documentary. So we're hoping to have that shot in late September, early October, spend the winter in post-production, and then in theory, start to submit something by late spring and have some sort of uh, screening rough cut at some closer local orgs that we can partner with to get some feedback on and kind of feel it out as if it's if it is headed in the right direction or if there is something we do need to reshoot or if something is just not feeling right, because the story is so important to me, you know, like we're talking about murdered women and how their stories and pop culture and has always been geared towards a serial killer. What is sexy? What, what type of story or even just most black and brown bodies and have just been ignored completely. So I take it really seriously and I think it's super important when we're even once we're in post and we've made an edit, you know, if there's an issue, then it's worth fixing and we'll find a way to do that. So to me, having community feedback sessions are just such a big part of the story process. So that's hopefully will happen in the late spring and summer i like to imagine will be this beautiful shiny polished project I just want to continue to grow as a producer, especially learning more about distribution. That's such a key part of the filmmaking process that I think a lot of other filmmakers that I know tend to forget about, or at least are so exhausted by the entire process. By the point that they get to distribution, they're too tired and kind of throw the reins in and are like, I don't care. Anybody can have this film if they just throw me $2,000 or $5,000 or whatever the, the cost is, the, the check they get. And there's just so many possibilities to that. So I just want to continue on my own career path, really learning and having a firm hold on that so I can continue to support my community of friends and their projects and distribution deals. I want to continue to direct, of course. I definitely want to continue to grow as a director, especially in terms of finding more funding for my projects. I'm pretty good at writing grants, but you know, there's just so many other pieces to funding a film that I am not equipped in, that I haven't met the right people yet for. And that's something I want to look for in the future. And uh, I just want to continue to stay in Portland and just help everyone else on their projects as much as they've helped on mine. 
right now I am a producer on Scott Brout's documentary, Dear Doris, which is all about the drag queen Doris Fish and her insane life story and how she made this film called Vegas in Space. And so that's also rack funded and I helped him write a grant for that as well. But just continually doing that, just supporting all of my friends and fellow creatives, uh, Alberta Poon, who has always just the coolest projects. I like to help her any way I can as an AD and jumping on those projects and just continually being a part of this community and being here and supporting everyone else because they've just continually shown up for me too. I remember before production started on any organ Sunday, I got really, I just had the blues. It just really hit me. I got very melancholy. I felt like I was never going to make a project again, even though I had a rack grant given to me and I'd gotten this other grant for the travel organ, any organ Sunday, but I just got so blue waiting for it to happen. And it was very, it's just very hard to get out of that headspace when you're there. So I think I just reached out to a friend. I reached out to Ashley Mellinger over at Desert Island Studios, who's been a producer for me, and she's always working on such cool stuff. And I just kind of was like, hey, I'm feeling really down right now. Do you want to trade scripts and just give me feedback and I'll give you feedback? And I don't know, I'm just kind of blue and I need that right now. And she, Ashley's so wonderful and so sweet. And she's like, of course, I would love that. And she just immediately sent me a script. She's like, I don't know if this will actually be made. I kind of just wrote it in a haze or for fun, or this is an older one. And I sent her a script. I don't even think we gave each other this, our script feedback back, but it was just such a, it, it lifted my spirit so quickly. It's just reaching out to your fellow creatives and sharing scripts, sharing story ideas, and just having friends over via FaceTime or if they're in your little bubble, having them over in person and just having writing parties. I mean, Chelsea and me, Chelsea Unsby came over and we wrote this super ridiculous script for Hump that we were like, yeah, we can make this even, it'll be COVID safe and we'll have a drone and it'll be ridiculous. And we got so busy with all these other projects and then she signed on for No Spectators Allowed. And so we dropped that project, but it's one of those things. It's okay to drop projects. It's okay to keep them on the back burner to just throw it in an archived project folder, but continually trying to write and being really open to the writing process as a super collaborative process. Um, and just always being willing to read other people's scripts. I think that's a key part of it. You know, you get so excited and hopefully if you're reading other people's scripts, you'll be inspired not only to write, but also to help them do whatever cool film that they have in their mind, whatever role they need as a producer, as an AD. And that's kind of how I've been doing it. And I just feel very lucky to have so many awesome, cool people who are doing cool work and are constantly pushing me and helping me in my, in my work. And I really just aspire to do the same for them. If you'd like to see her work, please visit kananikoster.com. That's K-A-N-A-N-I-K-O-S-T-E-R.com. This episode was written and produced by me, Joni Whitworth, and edited by Matt Larimer. If you have any questions or feedback about the show, please feel free to reach out at futureprairie.com or on social media at Future Prairie. Thanks for listening.